0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our honor and our privilege to have your company as we continue our exploration in a series we titled The Holiness Movement. And the premise of this series is simply this, that God created us and called us to live a life of holiness throughout all of history, God called his people to be holy as he is holy. And we divided this particular series into three uh, separate segments. We looked uh, over the past few sessions uh, about the foundation of holiness, the reasons why we should pursue a life of holiness. From Genesis to Revelation, we realize that God has called us to be Christ-like people, to live the image that He created us to bear. And last session, we looked at an introduction to the second uh, segments in this series, and uh, we looked at an introduction to our failure to pursue holiness. And we discovered that there are uh, several warnings in the scripture that when we ignore them or accidentally uh, dismiss them, guess what? We fail to pursue the life that God intended us to live. And today we're going to look at uh, one of the very first reasons why, why we fail to pursue holiness and that uh, is the difference between response and repentance. It, it dates back to our understanding of how someone becomes a follower of Jesus. In most uh, cases, we uh, agree that people who are born into Christian families are not made automatically followers of Jesus. Uh, people must make a decision, a personal commitment to, to accept the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord and to live accordingly for the rest of their lives. So in many uh, different Christian circles, there is a process through which we communicate the message of Christianity, well known as the gospel, and people make responses to those invitations and accordingly they are considered Christians from there on. And one of those ways, or one of those processes through which people become Christians, became known as the event, the evangelistic event, or Christ, uh, evangelism crusades, or outreach services, or any environment that creates a um, an opportune uh, uh, time for people to get to know a little bit about Jesus, uh, usually around uh, some sort. Music and uh, uh, and different uh, preaching. Of uh, the gospel, and at the very end, they get invited to make a decision. Uh, This started in the 1700s uh, through D.L. Moody and George uh, Whitfield, even uh, John Wesley, and others began this uh, type of crusades to invite people to make a decision for Jesus. One of the most popular legendary evangelists of our times has been the most honored uh, Billy Grime and this amazing man of God uh, reached over 200 million people estimated by some writers that he preached the gospel to 200 million people and many people at the end of his messages would come up the front and make a decision or a response to the message to follow Jesus and uh, and they become Christians and uh, uh, the the reality is many other Christian environments and churches uh, develop their own own version of evangelism crusades or the event through which people are evangelized and some people create productions where uh, there is a, a visual illustration through drama or music a concert whatever it might be video presentation where people get engaged with the message of Jesus at uh, the preaching of the word of God and then are invited to make a decision through a response card lifting up their hands or coming up to the front and this become a very popular way uh, for people to be initiated or uh, you know make a decision to become Christians. Uh, However there are some uh, writers and authors who doubt uh, the long-term sustainability of Of these responses. Uh, For example, some writer I read for said that Billy Graham in 1990 gave an interview where he said only 25% of those people that made responses remained Christians. Other studies said that only 6% of these people who make those decisions uh, have a different belief and, uh, and different, um, you know, behavior, Christian beliefs and behaviors a year after the event. So the fallout rate could be a significant rate. Regardless of uh, the effectiveness of this particular method of evangelism, we have a significant lesson to learn uh, through some of these presentations of the gospel. And I want to share with you the very first uh, presentation or invitation for people to become Christians, which occurred on the day of Pentecost uh, through the preaching of the Apostle Peter. And this is how it's documented for us in Acts chapter 2. And it says this, When the people heard this, heard the preaching of Peter, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call and the first thing we need to explore here is that salvation or the invitation of responding to the message of Jesus or the gospel has been summarized by Peter in the idea of repenting then being baptized which basically immersed underwater as a declaration of I die to the old way of life and I rise in a new way of life it's a it's a symbol of the repentance and the belief in Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ which then produces this experience of the newness of life as people receive the Holy Spirit who changes their nature gives them a brand new nature a divine nature as Peter would say in his second epistle that enables people to live a different lifestyle after accepting Jesus and on that day Uh, it's written that those who accepted Peter's message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people were added to their number. They became actually Christians. And you realize from the invitation of Peter, it had both repentance and belief. Repentance and and belief and this is probably the significant uh, missing point in some of the gospel presentations where people are invited to make a confession uh, through a a potentially you know some people do it pretty quickly of a explanation of the gospel in a couple of minutes after which people are invited to say uh, you know I repent of my sin and I receive Jesus without really an understanding of what it means that repentance is a change of a lifestyle and then it becomes just a pronunciation of some assertion and beliefs and usually the verse that is associated to this phenomena is that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart you are saved And uh, you get the impression, which probably they didn't mean it that way, but you get the impression because of the convenience and the quickness of the uh, message uh, being preached, that people might think, well, I've just declared Jesus, Lord, I can live life as it is. As long as you obviously go to a Bible preaching church and you receive the Bible on your way out that they give you as a gift. And I'm not in any way undermining this strategy. But I think one of the reasons why many of those Christians just attend church and some of them don't even return the second week to church. I have been part of churches who have got these response cards going on pretty well. And there will be several uh, outreach services during the year. And the response cards would be significant numbers. But the church wasn't growing in number at all. Maybe they went to different. Churches, I don't know. Uh, maybe they're living, you know, for Jesus in, in in small groups and home churches or whatever. That we can't really access evidence of their continuation with Jesus. But I have a suspicion that when we do not communicate the complete message of repentance and belief and we make it just a matter of a response to an invitation we are undermining the effectiveness of these christians experiences because they don't understand that repentance must come before uh, this belief and utterance and trust in Jesus. And here are some biblical explanations of the concept of repentance and why it's so important from the very start of our Christian journey to get acquainted with the idea of repentance. And if you have been a Christian and you're sharing with someone else about Christ, or if you are teaching other people about how to reach out to others, the idea of repentance is non negotiable. Otherwise, we Have a response that doesn't change people's lives, and therefore they live the life that they originally lived before Jesus. They live it in the future, but then they get the impression that they have changed their allegiance to Christ, but it's not impacting their lifestyle. So let's have a look what the Bible says about repentance from Luke chapter 13, and that's Jesus Himself speaking. He's saying, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or otherwise, uh, those, um, uh, he mentions uh, uh, about another situation. He says, those 18 who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? He says, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish perish Jesus made it utterly clear that repentance without repentance people perish in fact Peter mentions the same thing maybe that's the reason why he asked people to repent uh, uh, you know imitating the gospel presentation and invitation of Jesus in second Peter chapter 3 he says that that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance perishing and repentance are the opposite the polar opposites if you repent you will not perish that's the reality of the biblical invitation, repentance is a warning for anyone that's just ignoring and undermining uh, this, uh, this lifestyle change and just focuses on the response and the benefit of coming to Jesus without actually changing by the power of the Spirit their lifestyle. I want to share with you several things about repentance. First, it is a command. Again, Jesus in Mark 1:15, it says, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the one command. It's almost like uh, two sides to the same coin. You repent and believe. You don't just believe. You repent and believe. It's a command from Jesus. If we want to experience the life that God created us to live, in Acts chapter 17, that uh, Paul uh, is preaching and saying that in the past God overlooked ignorances of people, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent repentance is a command we cannot undermine or ignore repentance as people who share with others about coming to Jesus or as new converts who are making a new commitment or making a statement to follow Jesus repentance is non-negotiable the second thing about repentance is it is a u-turn and we read in Matthew 4.19, again, Jesus preaching and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He's saying, make a change because there is a new way of living under the reign of God. And instead of living under your own selfish ways and self-centered ways and separate from God, here the kingdom is near God's reign, a new way of living life, a new era of living involuntarily under the reign of God. So here, make a U-turn from your self-orientation to a god Orientation from being, uh, you know, controlled by own uh, selfish ambitions and lust and passions to being controlled by God's spirit and standards. And again, it says, "I have not come." Jesus is saying to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's a, it's a, it's a life change from being a sin a sinner to make a U turn and to live with God, a righteous. Type of life because of the righteous one who died for us and then again it says in Acts 3 verse 19 repent then and turn to God. Repentance is saying no to one way in order to say yes to another way. In fact, the word repentance, it comes from the word metanoia, which most scholars tell us it's a change in mind that impacts our behavior. So essentially, it's a change of the way we think, which results in a change of the way we live. It's not just an assertion and beliefs and a concept and a theological understanding it actually an understanding that changes the way we live Uh, repentance is a u-turn to go to god then repentance has fruit it's not just i say i repent i put my hand up i sign the paperwork and i said in a prayer i'm a sinner forgive me you know there is actually no forgiveness without repentance it's false economy if we repent, God forgives. And uh, John, uh, the baptizer, he says to some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were coming to be baptized by, by him, he said to them, you brood of vipers. He was exposing the cunning ways. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance repentance is accompanied by a change of life that other people can see and he says do not think you can say to yourselves we have abraham as our father i tell you that out of these stones god can raise up children for abraham what I think John the Baptizer is saying, it says, don't rely on your background, don't rely on your affiliation with a religious uh, environment, don't rely on your descendant that you have, you know, some heroic, legendary, God honoring people uh, in your in your family line. He's saying you need to make this personal commitment to return. From uh, uh, fr- from your ways, your selfish ways, and to be uh, to be directed towards God, and that will show itself in the way you live, because repentance is a lifestyle. repentance is not made once i i find it staggering that some people says oh yeah repentance i repented when i came to christ or i repented the day i made a decision or i repented three years ago of whatever Uh, i believe repentance in the scripture is a way of living it's not just once for all it's a way when we uh, disappoint god or hurt others, we come back and agree with God that what he says about this is correct. And what we've done is really uh, in lack of alignment with God's ways that he intends for us to live. So um, in Luke chapter 17, Jesus is speaking about brothers. So people of the same spiritual family, God's family says, so watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. And the same situation here is considered in Revelation chapter three and verses nineteen, where Jesus is talking to a, a, you know, the leader of a church and and representing the entire congregation, and he's saying to them, "Those whom I love, I rebuke." Much like he was asking the believers to do in Luke chapter seventeen, "Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline." So what's the outcome? So be earnest and repent. They were believers. They were part of the church. They may have gone wayward. They may have missed. uh, They're not in, in step with the spirit. And here Jesus is inviting his church to repent, inviting every God-honoring believer to repent. It's not just once for all, it's a lifestyle. And we see this uh, explained in an illustration in uh, uh Corinthians correspondence, where Paul is talking to a church who was divided and at times defiled with sexual sins, and 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 they were super apostles that were creating fights between uh, the congregation and Paul, they are undermining Paul's ministry and Paul's message, and uh, and Paul sent him a letter. Uh, which uh, was, uh, we, we don't know which one is that letter. Maybe that's a lost letter, but he was convicting them of the way they were living. Maybe that's the first part of that letter. Maybe it was whatever it may be, but Paul is saying here, now I am happy, not because you were made sorry by my correspondence, but because your sorrow led you to, to repentance for you became sorrowful as God intended and so were not harmed in any way by us godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret but worldly sorrow brings death here Paul is saying to Christians Whom he, uh, you know, repeatedly affirms that they are genuine followers of Jesus. Yes, they have some mess in their midst. But that didn't change the fact that they were genuine believers. However, genuine believers were invited to repent. Were invited to to mourn a, a way that displeases God and hurts others. And to correct and amend their ways and throughout the scripture even James invites us to mourn our own uh, misdeeds and and a life that is not in accordance with God's principles and not just ignore what's going on in our midst here another uh, a passage to the second corinthians and and verse 12 paul is saying to them that i'm afraid that when i come again my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin in which they have indulged. Paul is saying that he would be so troubled. If he comes back to the Corinthians church and discovers that these people who, um, uh, you know, were not aligned to God's will because of impurity or sexual sin or whatever it might be, that they haven't repented. It is expected of God's people not just to repent once, but to make sure that they live a life of repentance where they do not allow sin to take control over their lives. And this is God's intention for us. And it's probably one of the reasons why we fail to pursue holiness. Why? We fail to pursue holiness because we fail to take seriously the matter of repentance. It somehow escapes our mind. Somehow repentance becomes redundant after we make a response to follow Jesus. I do not think that's a biblical fact that we just do repentance once. I think it's a life that keeps clean uh, our conscience and keeps us in alignment with God. Repentance requires monitoring our hearts. If repentance is just once off, And we we, we transform the idea of repentance to simply a response to invitation. We are not helping people understand that the Christian life involves a monitoring of our hearts, what is close to other people, what is hidden from other people. And we need to figure out, am I living according to God's intention for my life, and then after we monitor our heart, if we find something that is 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 um, is in contrary to God's will, we need to have transparent relationships where we actually genuinely share those things with others. Because whatever is left in the dark is the playground of the devil. The devil does not want us to open up and to have genuine relationships where we can be honest about what's going on in our lives because we manage our reputation instead of developing our character. But we monitor our hearts and then we share with trusted others. One, two, three people that we really love and trust who have our best interests at heart but will keep us accountable just like it would have been Best for David to have that transparent relationship with the prophet Nathan so he could have early on managed to confess, have a genuine confession of his failures and not continue to pursue that difficult road that costed uh, him so much and have implicated others in his story. And uh, here we see genuine confession is affiliated with genuine repentance where I agree with God, confesses to agree with God in the presence of my loved and trusted brothers who, or, or my sisters who really care about me and say, you know, I've, I've made this and, you know, I could justify it, but I'm going to acknowledge that I've done the wrong thing by God and others. And then it's not just a negative Uh, uh, approach to repentance it's also applying the blood of Jesus onto forgiveness we are not feeling sorrow sorry for ourselves and uh, and sorrow that leads to death but sorrow that leads to a life giving forgiveness where we're just like David came to God and says I confess my sin have mercy upon me and then wash me thoroughly from my sin we know that the, the New Testament tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God wants to cleanse us. He doesn't want us to live with guilt. He wants us to live with clear conscience and a life of hope for the future, a clean slate, so he's not reproaching us about what we've done yesterday because he's rubbed the slate clean. He's wiped it clean so we have a new future. His mercies are new every morning as we repent will arise. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. If I fall, I will arise. If I sit in darkness, the Lord will be light to me. Friends the first reason I believe that we don't pursue a life of holiness before God is because we may have received Christianity as a response instead of a change of mind that leads to a change of lifestyle and that lifestyle keeps aligning itself like wheel alignment keep aligning itself to the will and the standard and the heart of God to resemble the character of God in the world and when we fail we get up again we wash ourselves in the blood of jesus and we take another leap by the power of the spirit to live to live the life that god created us to live a christ-like life Life. This is our prayer for you that if you have been uh, misinformed or maybe accidentally misconceived the concept of salvation as simply a response instead of repentance and regeneration, that God will align those ideas in your mind according to the biblical uh, truth that we discussed today and that you may live a life of repentance and experience the forgiveness and the cleanliness and the holiness that God bestows upon His people. Thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to seeing you in our next episode as we look at another reason why we fail to pursue holiness. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next time.